Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Introducing the new Starbucks Pistachio Cream Cold Brew. Silky Pistachio Cream Cold Foam tops our bold, smooth cold brew for a delicious twist on a favorite winter flavor. Make today a good day. Order ahead on the Starbucks app. Welcome, friends and neighbors, to the 50th episode of the I'm in Love With That Song podcast. I'm your host, Brad Page, and since this is episode number 50, I thought we'd try something a little different. I've been reading this book by Andrew Grant Jackson called 1965, The Most Revolutionary Year in Music. In this book, Jackson makes the argument that 1965 is when everything about rock music changed and rock changed everything. When I saw this book, I thought, hmm, that's not the year that I would have picked. I want to see how he makes his case. So I bought the book and I thought it'd be fun if we went through this together. So let's start at the beginning of 1965. And just as a side note, when I reference chart positions or release dates, I'm specifically talking about U.S. release dates and charts. Things may be different in other parts of the world. So January 1965, Bob Dylan enters a New York studio and over three days records all of the tracks for his landmark album, Bringing It All Back Home. It's his first album with an electric band. Meanwhile, on January 20th, on the other side of the country, the Birds record their version of Dylan's Mr. Tambourine Man. Though the Birds perform all the vocals on the recording, Roger McGuinn is the only bird who actually plays on the track. All the other instruments were recorded by that legendary group of L.A. session players known as the Wrecking Crew. We've talked about the Wrecking Crew on this podcast before. McGuinn came up with the intro to the song by adapting a Bach melody on his 12-string guitar. And with this song, the birds pretty much invent folk rock. Hey, 
Also in January, the music-themed TV show Hullabaloo premiered on NBC. And though it's not a rock album, John Coltrane released A Love Supreme in January 1965, one of the most influential jazz albums of all time, a record that inspired many rock musicians, too. In February 1965, Motown was on a roll with songs like Nowhere to Run by Martha and the Vandellas, Stop in the Name of Love by the Supremes, and a personal favorite of mine, I'll Be Doggone by Marvin Gaye, all on the charts. Though it was recorded in 1964, the Righteous Brothers hit number one in February of 65 with You've Lost That Loving Feeling. In 1999, BMI ranked the song as the most played song of the 20th century, with over 8 million airplays alone. Also in February, the Beatles released Eight Days a Week as a single, and People Get Ready by Curtis Mayfield and the Impressions first hit the charts. This song became an anthem for the civil rights movement, and Rolling Stone magazine has named it one of the 25 greatest songs of all time. I agree. People get ready as a train of coming. You don't need no baggage, you just get on board. Curtis is such a great guitar player. March 1965, Dylan's Bringing It All Back Home album is released. My Girl by The Temptations reaches number one after eight weeks on the charts. Smokey Robinson and the Miracles issue Ooh Baby Baby as a single. And the Sonics release Here Are the Sonics, one of the great garage rock albums. of the Beatles, John Lennon and George Harrison, have dinner with George's dentist, John Riley, who, without telling them, spikes their coffee with LSD-laced sugar cubes, and they have their first acid trip, an experience that would profoundly influence their music. The Rolling Stones hit the charts with The Last Time, basing the song on a 1958 recording by the Staples Singers. 
April 1965, The Who record Anyway, Anyhow, Anywhere, one of the first songs to feature extensive guitar feedback. In art college, Pete Townsend studied the auto-destructive work of Gustav Metzger, inspiring Townsend to turn feedback and guitar smashing into an art form of his own. Bob Dylan's Subterranean Homesick Blues enters the charts. It's his first top 40 hit. Herb Alpert and the Tijuana Brass release Whipped Cream and Other Delights, one of the great record covers in history. And the Staple Singers record Freedom Highway. The Beatles' Ticket to Ride is also released in April 65. Primarily written by John Lennon, the song features a prominent 12-string guitar part played by George Harrison. The idea for the drum pattern came from Paul McCartney, but Ringo takes it to another level, and McCartney plays the guitar solo at the end. This song captures what all four Beatles could bring to the table to make a good song even better. It's one of their greatest songs. She's got a ticket to ride. She's got a ticket to ride. She's got a ticket to ride. And she don't care. Let's listen to that drum part for a minute. May 
of 1965 saw the Yardbirds' For Your Love enter the charts, along with Here Comes the Night by them, and the Animals issue the Animal Tracks album. While touring the U.S., the Rolling Stones stop in Chicago for a recording session at the legendary Chess Studios, home of Muddy Waters, Howlin' Wolf, Chuck Berry, and all the artists who were the Stones' biggest influences. One of the songs they worked on at Chess was Satisfaction, based on a guitar riff that Keith Richards came up with in his sleep. He woke up in the middle of the night with this riff in his head. He turned on the tape recorder and recorded the riff, then fell back asleep, leaving the tape recorder running to capture 40 more minutes of Keith snoring. Of course, the song would go on to become one of the greatest rock tracks in history. It's hard to hear it with fresh ears now, but imagine what this would have sounded like for the first time in 1965. Newsweek magazine described the riff as five notes that shook the world. Keith Richards used a Gibson Maestro Fuzzbox on his guitar to get that tone. Though certainly not the first song to use a Fuzzbox effect, Satisfaction was probably the most famous. You can hear Richards stomp on the pedal to turn it off and on throughout the song. He starts with that Fuzzbox tone, then he switches to a clean electric rhythm guitar tone. Then just before the first chorus, he turns the fuzz box back on. If you listen closely, you can actually hear the foot pedal click on. If you listen before the second chorus, you can hear Keith turn the fuzz box on again. But this time, he misses the cue by a split second and misses that first note. Then the next time around, you can hear him turn the fuzz box on too early. I guess he wanted to be sure he didn't miss it this time. Now, come on, tell me, how many times have you heard this song and never noticed those details? Me too. That is why I do this podcast. In June of 1965, the Four Tops hit number one with I Just Can't Help Myself, Sugar Pie Honey Bunch. As usual, the Four Tops were backed by the Funk Brothers, that stellar group of musicians that were behind all of Motown's hits. Between the Funk Brothers working out of Motown in Detroit and the Wrecking Crew in L.A., these two groups of musicians dominated the top of the charts without most people even knowing who they are. Of the 27 songs that hit number one in 1965, 12 of them featured either the Funk Brothers or the Wrecking Crew. Six of those 12 were the Wrecking Crew. The other six featured the Funk Brothers. One of my favorite singers, Wilson Pickett, released In the Midnight Hour, one of the greatest R&B soul songs of all time.
On June 15th, after finishing up a recording session with Bob Dylan, producer Tom Wilson gathered a new set of musicians and overdubbed electric guitars, bass, and drums onto the original acoustic performance of Simon and Garfunkel's Sound of Silence. Simon and Garfunkel didn't even know he was doing it, but when the new version was released as a single, it became Simon and Garfunkel's first hit. If you'd like to know more about this story, check out the Rock and or Roll podcast, episode number 291. You'll get the whole story there. James Brown releases Papa's Got a Brand New Bag. This track was recorded in one take. At seven minutes long, Brown cut the song in half, splitting it between side A and side B of the single. It was here, on this track, that Brown discovered his new sound, focusing on the rhythm, emphasizing the one. He was hearing all the instruments like they were drums. With this song, James Brown invents what we now call funk. July 1965. The Beach Boys release California Girls. Barry Gordy, the mogul behind Motown, had worked for years to get his artists booked into supper clubs. He finally achieved that goal when the Supremes were booked for the Copacabana on July 29th. Gordy sent the girls to charm school for etiquette lessons. Arthur Lee and Brian McLean formed the band Love, one of the first racially diverse rock bands. Though never a big commercial success, they're considered one of the most important bands of the 1960s. Otis Redding began recording sessions for his Otis Blue album on July 9th. It was his second album to be released in 1965. It includes the track I've Been Loving You Too Long, and Otis wrote the song Respect for the album. Of course, it later became the defining single for Aretha Franklin. What you want, honey, you got it. And what you need, baby, you got it. All I'm asking for is respect when I come home. July 20th, 1965, saw the release of Bob Dylan's Like a Rolling Stone. According to statistics, it's the most acclaimed song in history. The song evolved from 10 pages of verse and poetry that Dylan boiled down to four verses and the chorus. The song was recorded over a two-day session in June and released a month later. The recording features legendary guitarist Mike Bloomfield and Al Cooper on organ. Cooper wasn't even an organ player, but he managed to come up with the iconic part that's the musical hook of the song. As usual, the record company didn't want to release it as a single because it's over six minutes long. Of course, it became Dylan's biggest hit, making it to number two on the charts. On July 25th, Dylan played the Newport Folk Festival with a full electric band and the audience boos. 
In August 1965, Dylan releases the Highway 61 revisited album, the Animals release We Gotta Get Out of This Place, and the Beatles issue the soundtrack to help. On August 15th, the Beatles play the first concert ever held in a sports arena at Shea Stadium in New York for a crowd of over 55,000, a new world record for concert attendance. And a young man named Davy Jones released a single called You've Got a Habit of Leaving. The single didn't make much of a dent, and there was another bloke named Davy Jones in The Monkees. So by the end of the year, this Davy Jones changes his name to David Bowie. You've Got a Habit of Leaving would be the last recording he makes under his original name. Top three songs for the first week of September 1965 were California Girls at number three, Like a Rolling Stone at number two, and The Beatles' Help at number one. How's that for a classic top three? John Lennon wrote the song Help in One Night. With verses that include words like insecure and self-assured, Lennon was writing some of his most thoughtful and personal lyrics yet. Now, but now these days are gone, I'm not so self-assured Now I find a change of mind, I'll open up the doors Help me if you can, I'm feeling down And I do appreciate you being around Smokey Robinson and the Miracles reached the top 20 with Tracks of My Tears It's another one of my personal favorites. And on September 13th, the Beatles release Yesterday as a single. The song came to Paul McCartney in a dream. He was afraid that he subconsciously plagiarized it, so for a year he played it for people to see if anyone would recognize it. He recorded the song on solo acoustic guitar, and then producer George Martin added a string quartet. Yesterday went on to become one of the most covered songs in history, with over 2,500 recorded versions. In October of 1965, James Brown has his biggest hit ever with I Got You, I Feel Good, The Animals issue It's My Life, and Marvin Gaye's Ain't That Peculiar enters the charts. Let's listen in to just Marvin's vocal track. Every chance you get, you seem to hurt me more and more. But each hurt makes. Listen, and you can hear him tap his foot along to the beat. I know flowers grow from rain, but how can love grow from pain? I ain't that peculiar. 
The Beatles are appointed members of the British Empire and receive MBE medals in honor of all the revenue they generated for the United Kingdom. And the Kinks release A Well-Respected Man. Ray Davies wrote the song after a visit to an upper-class resort where he felt the rich guests were too snobby towards him. And he plays a to charm And he goes to the regatta He adores the girl next door Cause he's dying to get at her But his mother knows the best about The matrimonial snakes Cause he's our soldier And he's our soul fine And he's all so healthy In his body and his mind He's a well-respected man about town Doing the best thing so conservatively November 1965. Stevie Wonder comes out with Uptight, Everything's Alright. The Supremes hit number one with I Hear a Symphony. It's their fourth number one hit of the year. And The Who release My Generation, an anthem for the youth of the 60s if there ever was one, and one of the few hits to ever feature a bass guitar solo. Also released November 65, The Seeds, Pushing Too Hard, The Standells with Dirty Water. The Kinks release the Kinks Controversy album, and the Yardbirds issue the Having a Rave Up with the Yardbirds album. And the Rolling Stones hit number one with Get Off My Cloud. as the year came to a close, Turn, Turn, Turn by The Birds hits number one on December 4th. On that same day, The Grateful Dead play their first gig as The Grateful Dead at one of Ken Kesey's acid tests in San Jose, California. On the other side of the country, The Velvet Underground play their first paid gig at Summit High School in Summit, New Jersey on December 11th. According to legend, most of the audience walked out. The Mamas and the Papas release California Dreamin', and the Beatles release both a new album, Rubber Soul, and a new single, Day Tripper, backed with We Can Work It Out. Rubber Soul was their most sophisticated album yet. Many consider it their best album. It was the album that inspired Brian Wilson to step up his game and start work on the landmark Beach Boys album, Pet Sounds.
And as December came to an end, CBS television aired A Charlie Brown Christmas for the very first time. CBS didn't want to air it at all at first. They thought the animation and voiceovers were amateurish, there was no laugh track, and they thought the music was weak. Vince Guaraldi's score went on to become some of the most indelible jazz music in history, and today it's part of our American DNA. So, that's the music of 1965, in a nutshell. I mean, we're really just scraping the surface here. There's so much other great music out from that period. It was definitely a watershed year for music. But is it the most revolutionary? My first instinct is to say 1967, or maybe 1964, the year the Beatles came to America. You can make an argument that 1977 and punk music was as revolutionary. I'm still not sure, but Andrew Grant Jackson makes a compelling case in his book, and I really enjoyed reading it. If you'd like to know more or pick up a copy of the book for yourself, I do recommend it. I'll include a link in the show notes. Thanks for joining me on this 50th episode of this podcast. I hope you enjoyed this little detour. I'll be back again in two weeks with another deep dive into one of my favorite songs. Please keep in touch. We're on Facebook. You can find us by searching for the I'm in Love With That Song podcast or tweet us at popstafftweets or send an email to lovethatsongpodcast at gmail.com. Either way, I love hearing from you. Thanks again for making this 50th episode happen. See you next time. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.